Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday, good weather, good grief. It's July, July 4th weekend. Happy Independence Day to all of us here in the country and around the world. Those of you connecting through the miracle of Internet and the app of Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. That's an application that connects us all around the globe. So you servicemen around the various parts of the world joining us today on KMOX. We've got lots to talk about. We're going to talk about all the places that you live, you work, the building and the heating and cooling systems that keep you healthy or not. And I urge you to invest in cleaning and changing those filters. Today, this weather is just glorious. The opportunity to get outside, maybe gather, celebrate a little bit, uh, fire up the barbecue and the grill and get things ready to roll the smokers i can i can smell them right now man you guys are at it already i know and and those of you who are serious and you know who you are Bring it on, baby. Let's get it together here for the 4th of July weekend. Scott Mosby here. Very happy to be with you. Two hours, no guests, home improvement, all the topics that matter to you. Ten phone lines. You're on. You're next. You're it. You are the topic and subject of this show. Uh, 314-436-7900 puts us together. Wide open. The classroom is empty at this point. Come on in. Have a seat. Um, You know, coffee's in the back of the room. But uh, we're gathering here on the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Two hours. 314-436-7900. Toll free for those of you around the globe, 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. So we've got lots to talk about today. Some of the things that, uh, you know, we've had some hot, you know, fast and furious uh, shows in the past weeks here. I want to get back and talk about simple things like identifying and how to remove a load-bearing wall, you know, various values of laundry rooms, mud room, how you go about thinking about that. Also sharing with you some of the seminars we put on at Mosby Building Arts, my uh, uh, home country, if you will. So that is my day job, and we share it here on KMOX. This is an outreach and a service of KMOX and called the Weekend uh, at Your Service Hotlines here, Mike Miller being my predecessor. He's on early in the morning, and I like listening to Mike. My my show is uh, following his, and my yard is very happy and improving due to my time here on KMOX and Mike Miller. Phone lines here, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Don't be misled. This cool, lovely temperatures will be followed with hot temperatures. Uh, Certainly not in the forecast now. We've got great forecasts coming up in the week. Use this time to get your AC service guy out there. Anything that needs some attention, and believe me, you found out what it was earlier this uh, last month in June. We had some very hot temperatures. Uh, the whole country going through a heat spell, heat wave, if you will. So lots of things to talk about. But use this time to clean that outdoor air conditioning condenser. You know, that blower fan thing outside where you stack all those pots and uh, gardening things. and move. Well, I ask now that you move those away. 
give it a bath, scrub it down just like a car. No magic there other than you do need to turn off the electrical supply and that's best done inside the house, uh, either flipping off those breakers or for those of you with uh, uh, fuse panels, back out those fuses, remove those from that socket completely. So when you're spraying around with that garden hose, you don't glow. I mean, we've got enough sunshine as it is. We don't need to have you glow like a element in a light bulb. So kill the electric, get to work, give it a bath, uh, and really just keep the area clear uh, clear around two feet diameter, anywhere around that. Make sure that air comes in. Most commonly, these units, you know, the outside units, people get them replaced and they go for the more efficient things and they say, you know, that outside unit is big. Well, they get taller because they have more fins, more heat exchange area. They are able to dissipate the heat in that compressed liquid gas now and dump the heat outside the house, and that's why these things are getting bigger, taller, uh, and yet they're harder to stick in. It's hard to remove and replace a new condenser unit outside if it's physically bigger with a footprint, so they're just keeping these things about the same diameter and they're make, making them much taller. Uh, and that increases and enhances the energy efficiency as as well as the performance. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. This is a respite. This is a break. This is a weather great day and weekend. Holy smokes, three-day weekend. Happy 4th of July to you. Happy Independence Day. Um, Let's get fired up. You know, we've got a good caller here. Let's get started with Mildred and see what's happening with her. Hey, Mildred, good morning. Welcome to CamWex. How may I help you here? Good morning, Scott. Um, I'm in that 1938 house, um, and what I've been hearing when I flush the toilet is this clanging, a uh, clamoring sound. Yes. And I was just wondering what could be going on, you know. And, and uh, just like, but just before I called and all, I did it just to make sure I got the correct sound on it. And and did it dissipate? You know, it comes and goes. But yeah. for the last two weeks, it has been a study uh, aggravation, and I was just wondering. I had read something uh, beforehand pertaining to that it's a sign of something. So if you're not able to answer, hopefully one of the uh, listeners out there, plumbers, can be able to give me an input as to what might be going on with the, with the uh, 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 you know, the system. Yeah, well, Mildred, it's typically called pipe hammer, pipe hammer, H-A-M-M-E-R, and it typically happens, there there are a couple of valves in your house that wear out, and they are spring-closed, so one being that toilet ball cock, that floating ball in your toilet tank, when mm-hmm. it gets a little bit tired, or maybe the water uh, uh, utility raises the pressure in the entire citywide system, that spring no longer shuts off the water um, fully. And so it's kind of strong, kind of not strong. And if it's right at that place, it will flutter. And as it flutters, it opens and lets a little water through, shuts off, and then opens and lets a little. And this can happen there. It can happen on a dishwasher. It can happen on a clothes washer because those are magnetic solenoid valves. And after years uh, of operation, they get tired just like you and I do. So it's uh, it, it, it's usually... Uh, at that point of a toilet, a toilet, uh, 
you know, rebuilding the toilet tank is pretty inexpensive, Mildred. So that would be my first pl- place to go to it. Um, and, uh, and it's very common. The next thing is that you can drain down all the water pipes in your house, shut off the water to the whole house, open up the lowest faucet, which usually is in the basement, and open up all the rest of them, and all the water drains down out of that pipe. Now, in 1938, I don't know if you have air chambers in that pipe. Likely not, but this is something you can do yourself that may work. What happens is there are air chambers that captures and holds air inside those water pipes up above the flow line. So as you look at your, you know, say a vanity uh, bathroom sink, up in the wall where you can't see it might be two vertical pipes with caps on them just for air to be trapped, and they function as a shock absorber. But when they get waterlogged... that I should be concerned with or... Uh, yeah, uh, well, if, if if it bothers you, first off, change the uh, the guts on your toilet tank and probably the other ones as well. But typically the one you use all the time is the one that wears out. You know, they'll wear out every three to five years. The normal ones go seven to nine because they don't really work much. That's the first thing. Um, uh, you know, and then the next thing, you start troubleshooting the rest. But sometimes, and keep in mind, sometimes, you know, just the maintenance that the water company does on their own pipes and mains and all, you know, you get a little bit of grit in there and you can get some real hammering, you know, clanking yeah. as well as clarinet sounding sounds. Well, like I say, I uh, when you hear uh, different things that come up and all, you, you just be concerned because you never know where to lead. But I'm thankful to you, Scott, for giving us that information that you do every uh, weekend and all. I listen uh, faithfully when I can and all. So thank you so very much for letting me know. Glad to help, Mildred. Don't lose sleep. Don't lose sleep over this. This is like your car needs to be washed. It's not a big deal. Just get that hammer done so you can sleep better. Okay, great. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. And that's a that's a great question to start on because the technical term you do a search on it it's a pipe hammer, uh, and sometimes it can sound like a foghorn because that shut off doesn't quite get closed. Well, then you've got this uh, either a, a um, seat or an O-ring, and you ha- have water flowing around both sides of that. Well, that's just like the reed on a clarinet, saxophone, or even an oboe. You get some honking sounds that really sound non-plumbing. Well, I assure you, it's all the same thing, different versions of the same thing. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. It is a beautiful weekend, and bless us all for this great temperatures here, right here on KMOX. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, indeed. As threatened, Scott Mosby here at your service. KMOX 50,000 watts. Bosco, my pet gerbil on the treadmill behind me, just turning out all that electric power. A little bit of help from Amarin. Not much, but just a little bit. You know, Bosco eats a lot if you haven't really thought about that. You know, how much it takes to generate 50,000 watts, you know, out of a gerbil. Woo. Yeah, well, he's a hefty eater. A 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby at the helm at your service right here on KMOX. Let's go to my buddy Dave. Hey, Dave, good morning. How can I help you here on KMOX? 
Yeah, I need to do a patio and probably in concrete. But a friend of mine brought up something to me. I wanted to check with you on it and see. I don't know how it sounds. But um, you say get some three-quarter minus, and then you compress it. You know, rent a compressor to push it down the ground good and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you see, you can put uh, just a dry concrete mix or not not a mixed stuff or anything, just dry concrete. Just lay it over it and sweep it around and let it get down into the rocks, and then eventually it'll seize together. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Have you ever heard of something like that before? Yeah, it's actually uh, without the cement mix, and it's really the dry powder cement he's talking about. When you get down to three-quarter inch minus, half inch minus, even one inch minus, what that means is when they crush the stone. So you have great big boulders that come out of the quarry. They throw them in these crushers, and the crushers break the big boulders down into aggregate or rocks and stones of a certain size. Well, one inch minus means the biggest rocks are one inch. And then the minus means all the dust and the fines, F-I-N-E-S, all the fines come along with that stone. Well, the reality is if you have something like three-quarter minus or half-inch minus, that's about a hair's breadth away from real concrete because when you get water compacting all that sandy dust really is is the reality, the dust. And, and those of you that have been on gravel roads, the chat roads that are dry and compacted, you know how hard those things are. There's no concrete in there. That's just limestone, oftentimes one inch and three quarters minus. So, you know, what he's talking about, Dave, is a really high quality subgrade compaction, always good for concrete. Now, here's a little bit of the difference. Um, with uh, asphalt, all the strength and power comes from the subgrade. So they routinely do exactly what you're talking about, and they will put the fines over the top, grade it down very smoothly, roller compact it, and then water it or leave it alone for a week or two, wait for the rain to hit it. That stuff is like concrete. Underneath cement, sometimes you need a better drainage. So it's not uncommon. If you have a water issue to where you've got, you know, maybe that patio, that was there before or it's just a wet spot in the yard then I would suggest you use a one inch clean or the stones that have air pockets in between them to allow the water to migrate because what happens with the minus is all that dust all the sand all the minus stuff smaller than the the big number the three-quarter inch that plugs up the voids between the rocks and that's why it sets up like concrete, as your friend is suggesting. But it also keeps the water from moving underneath that slab, meaning escaping. So you get wet water sitting underneath there in December. By February, it's frozen into concrete, and you've heaved and raised and broke your patio. So it depends on the application. There is not one size fits all, or else we'd all be on the same medical program. So good huh. suggestion, but not always. Okay, so another question I had is you brought up too is uh, I saw this driveway that was a really a, it looked gold, like looked like it was like gold, yeah. and it had a sheen even to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what do you think that they put on that? Was it like a paint? You think? Well, it's a. Uh, do you remember the kitchen floor wax commercial on TV? Clear, clear, never yellows. 
Remember that thing from 10, 20 years ago? Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe so, yeah. Okay, Vaguely. that's an acrylic floor wax. The high-tech version of an acrylic sealer is exactly what you're talking about. It's called the wet look, and it just makes the stones. It's probably an ex, a exposed aggregate, meaning the stones in the concrete, the cement gets washed off lightly from the top. The stones show through, and then this wet look acrylic finish goes on, and it makes those rocks look wet and it's a beautiful beautiful look that's what i think you're seeing okay yeah okay that's another question real quick on this okay on what he was talking about was once you put down the aggregate um the three-quarter mile this is what he brought up but anyway is um you put cement dry cement basically just kind of like it's a dust in a sense right just you don't water anything. Just let it, you know, you put it on and kind of brush it on with a broom or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, would you use like a Portland cement, or is there a particular yeah. type of cement? No, Portland is what he's suggesting. It's re- it's if the whole description about the fines. This is a way to put more fines on that rock, but also it has a glue behavior about it. So when you know what he's talking about, really does work. But it the, it creates almost a cement cap, so there will be no water that moves through that base. It'll be really well compacted. And, in fact, this is kind of how they do the highway deck. So when you see them out there moving all that gravel around and there's just tons of stone down there, the big rollers and all that, they're doing everything. They don't really use the cement um, that's a little pricey, and, and trust me, that limestone, um, three-quarter minus, is strong enough. If you get it down in a one- to two-inch thickness, you, you have some, when it dries, without the cement, you've got some really strong surface there. Okay, I mean, you, you know, like, say you drove a car onto it, it wouldn't, like, you know, start messing it up? No, that well, that's what his buddy. You, you, you know, a chat road, an old gravel country road. You know how it's oh, yeah, really dry. Oh yeah, I grew up around those things. <laughs> that's he's talking about making that road underneath your patio. That's what it's like. So once it gets wet again, it'll move around again, and that's why he's suggesting we'll put some cement in there. Is he advocating that for oh. the actual cement wearing surface or underneath a patio? No, he's saying for the patio itself. So in other words, you'd be walking around on it. Well, it's possible. It's it's possible because there's not a whole lot of load there. So, but it is just the same when it gets wet again, just like that gravel road out in the country. It it will get gooey, you know, and sticky and gummy. You will track that limestone inside the home, even if you use oh, the cement on it. I see. Okay. Yeah, that's what concrete has so, going on. They mix it up so to it, the point it, that yeah. Yeah, so it acts like a gravel road type thing. That's exact. His yeah, description is a. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, he's he's perfectly describing a great way to build a chat or macadam base road. Yeah. So, but that's it. But if I was to do just plain old concrete, I could just start with that and then put concrete on top of it and make sure it's set right, more yes. or less. You know, yes. Yes, and it's just like a paint job here, Dave. If you do a whole lot of subgrade preparation, you, you know, slope it, you drain it, you compact it, you put the right kind of base on it, you know, it's like a paint job. You know, well, painting, painting 100 square feet only takes a few minutes. You just slop the paint on the wall, move it around, have it all wet at the same time. 
Well, preparing that 100 square feet, getting rid of the blemish, you know, so subgrade preparation is where all the value comes from. It's not just the concrete on the yeah. top. So, so again, I, you know, what he's suggesting is put the uh, investment in that gravel, do that right. My suggestion would be I don't think, I and my wife would be happy with that dust tracking in and out of our house. No, so, yeah, we wouldn't want that. Yeah. That's but I see what you're saying, though. Appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah, good idea. And that, I haven't heard the cement before, but I understand what he's trying to do and why. And and it, it can and will work. It just has other consequences. The money you save on the concrete winds up being those little limestone fines and dust that do come loose will track into the house on the bottom of your feet. I see. Yep. All righty, sir. Thank you very much. Oh, by Thank the way, I always like your show. I listen to it even when I have no projects going on, just hearing them. Thanks, oh, Dave. And then, by the way, on that on that plumbing question that yeah. they did, would it would an expansion tank? You bet. <laughs> yes, sir. Take care of that. Yeah, you betcha. It sure would. An expansion you typically done on the hot water pipe. Uh, but, yeah, expansion tanks are, are exactly the same as what I call about those air chambers up in the water. Yeah, so. yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's a great idea. All right, thank Thanks. you very I... much, sir. Appreciate it. All right, Dave, thank you. Hey, Mildred, if you're still listening, Dave's uh, suggestion, uh, an expansion tank. It looks like a little propane tank like for a barbecue grill, only it's blue in color, and all it is is it's a, it's a big air chamber. Typically, when you get a... a uh, hot water heater replaced in some municipalities, St. Louis County being one, you're required to install this expansion tank, which basically is a big air shock absorber for your water pipe system. So there you go. That's something you can do. But if you're thinking about getting a new water heater, it's a perfect time to put that expansion tank on for that pipe hammer. Now that's on the hot water line, but it does kind of cross over to the cold on the pressure and the pipe hammer. But my still number one repair would be changing the uh, toilet guts inside your uh, toilet tank there to minimize that uh, pipe clamor, if you will. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement KMOX, 50,000 watts. Happy Independence Day. Thank you to all the first responders who have, will, and continue to keep us safe and well cared for. Uh, here's to you. Uh, oftentimes, it's the veterans. We have veterans both home and abroad. Thank you all, because my life is safe and secure. God bless you all, and and keep it up because, uh, man, I, I hope we're saying thank you enough and, and hope we're uh, carrying our fair share of that responsibility. Right here on KMOX, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I'll be right back. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, folks, if you're looking into a kitchen remodel or seminars to just keep you sharp as a consumer and know how to start these projects, whether you're doing them yourself or having somebody else do them for you professionally, 10 Steps to a Great Kitchen Remodel, that's a seminar coming up July 21st. Uh, that will be a webinar, actually, so it's online, 1130 to 1230, so you can tune in from wherever you are. You do need to sign up. Uh, you can register at uh, callmosby.com. It's a website, callmosby.com. 
mosby.com uh, or mosbybuildingarts.com either way if you can remember all that m-o-s-b-y there's no e uh, and just go to seminars and sign up and you've got uh, the kitchen remodel in july next month august siding windows roofing and doors and then you get into bathroom models in september then we get into october living the life to the fullest your accessible design which really touches every kind of project around your house even if you're just changing doorknobs let's go to my friend joe hey joe good morning welcome aboard to cam wicks how can i help sir yes good morning scott um having a little bit of a problem with a a portable appliance uh popular brand name it's a dehumidifier the 50 pint uh portable unit uh, 115 15 amps and uh the unit seems to be malfunctioning it it cuts off and it's not running although it's still plugged in and all and the settings are still there and it's reading 60 percent humidity but the unit is not dehumidifying it has stopped yeah is this unit serviceable or should i just consider replacing it well, here's the yeah. <laughs> if you want it to work like that, you can actually go to continuous run and go bypass that electronic sensor. So the electronic controller part is uh, on the fritz, but the unit may still be working just fine. So you just run to continuous uh, operation or something like that uh, and dial it to a, a always-on situation. That may bypass that panel. But if you really want to get the panel the panel replaced, it will cost you more than a new unit purchase. That's, uh, you know, by the time you manufacture the part, you design the part, you put it into stock, you put it in a box, you have some guy move it around in a warehouse, then somebody orders it, they move it across the country here, they put it in a warehouse, then they load it on the truck, and then they get it to you. You know, by the time you buy that part, you know, it's 10 times more costly because of the number of touches it's had by humans. And, sure. and it just that's why parts are so expensive and, uh, you know, why uh, appliance repair is such a high complaint thing because, you know, no appliance guy can carry all the parts. So you'll pay $100 to get the guy to come out to do the humidifier or whatever. Um, he'll look at it. He'll go back. He'll order another piece. Then you'll pay another $100 to put it on another $100 for the part. And I'm guessing that dehumidifier is probably 150 to $200. Yeah, so, pretty much. Yeah. Th- yeah, that's kind of the replacement society we're in. Just be so we do have parts, but but usually we don't rebuild anything unless it's a built-in, really big performance unit. The, Understand? The, well, yeah, yeah. okay. I guess I'll have to go out and shop for a replacement then. Well, before you do that, just run it continuously, and you know, I because the compressor's probably good, the dehumidifier part's probably good, and and likewise, don't miss the canister. Sometimes that trip trigger on the canister that says hey this thing's full it'll shut it down uh, on kind of a safety overflow so don't miss the simple part of just checking that well, that yeah I, I did on. a little troubleshooting on it and the i have a hose attached to it going to a floor drain here in the basement and uh, what i have done i've taken and cut the power off completely turned it on and the unit will kick in i can hear it you can hear it running now yeah, okay. But okay. a short period from now, it'll just completely cut off. The power is still illuminated on the, on the control panel, and uh, it just stops. Yeah. So evidently, it's an electronic uh, shortfall here somewhere. Yep, yep. That's, yeah, I agree. 
Good luck, Joe. Do these units contain, uh, do they have Freon in them? Uh, They have a refrigerant, not usually the Freon anymore. It's a different type of refrigerant. Appliances, for small appliances, they use a completely different refrigerant gas than, uh, I got it. you know, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess I'll go out shopping today and see if I can find me a replacement then. Yeah, that's the reality. Okay, Joe. Yeah, I'm trying to keep uh, the lower level, the basement level here dehumidified so that it doesn't, uh, you know, transfer throughout the house. Yeah. Well, keep in mind this time. I appreciate your service, Scott. Thank you, sir. Have a happy 4th of July weekend. Thank you. Take care. Bye now. Now, keep in mind, folks, and for Joe, that in a basement in our part of the country, right here in the musty Midwest where humidity is, uh, if you run that dehumidifier down in your basement 24-7, 365, in the summertime, the humidity is so persistent that every time you open the door or window or somebody goes in and out, you turn on a vent fan of some sort, run the dryer, you know, run a bath fan, run a kitchen fan, you're drawing in wet air. So anything around 50% relative humidity in a basement during the summertime is about as dry as you're going to get it. Uh, And even running it at 60, sometimes they'll run 100% of the time. So, you know, for Joe, turning that to continuous operation and just letting it run is not probably much different than what will happen once he replaces that. If he can get that thing to keep running, which, I, you know, I think he's done pretty good troubleshooting. Just keep in mind that a really dry basement in the middle of the summer in St. Louis is usually about 55%. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. I'm going to take a short pause. Come right back for more after this on KMOX. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right. Happy good weather. Happy St. Louis. Welcome to the middle of the country and happy Independence Day. Hopefully we have a little bit of independence from... A pandemic, yeah. Who would have thought about that? Well, let's go to my friend and see what's cooking. Let's go to Philip. Hey, Philip, Scott Mosby here. Good morning. How can I help, sir? Good morning, Scott, and thank you very much for the shout-out to the veterans. I'm a veteran, and I I really appreciate that. And I love your show. Thanks for taking my call. I have a bathroom, and uh, we recently changed out the water tank, and... uh, now it, it it makes a flushing sound um just randomly just you know flush and i i, I don't know i i changed the ball i changed uh the guts inside I, I don't know what to do well it's pretty simple it's uh and, and it's not uncommon at all here uh what you've done philip is the flapper in the bottom of the tank have you changed that i did not okay that uh there's a little leak that uh, typically, and follow me through this, so your tank fills uh-huh. up, and then it drains down. The flapper going down to the bowl leaks just a little bit. The water drops down. All of a sudden, the tank says, whoop, we're out of water. So you fill. Then That's that it. drains. That's the so sound. You're, it, 
There you go. It's almost like a pendulum about every X number minutes, you know, that's it. So it's the flapper at the bottom of your tank that has deteriorated and not sealing. And I'll warn you, once you change that flapper, that sound will continue because it'll take a little time for that flapper rubber to kind of settle down and make a real seal. And I've even seen plumbers mm-hmm. take a little bit of Vaseline and put it around the inlet of that just to allow that uh deformed non uh shape, properly shaped flapper the new one to seal anyway so it, it's just that you know five dollar okay. flapper okay. in the bottom of the tank most commonly perfect I, I i knew you would have the solution and, and again thank you for your show i listen all the time it's, oh, just, hey. it's just a pleasure to listen to uh to the show and hear other people's household problems so thank you very much happy holidays to you and the listeners thanks philip god bless you thanks to a veteran here philip calling in and one thing persistence pays because even that little you know i've done these dances so you all know where do those answers come from it comes from the pain and the path that i've walked before you uh so changing that flapper on the bottom and be very thorough make sure you get the right flapper because the one that's easiest to stock in a hardware store that fits the most number of toilet types may not quite fit seal shape and and do for your toilet so i like to use original equipment man oh what's called oem original equipment manufacturer so if it's a kohler i like to buy a kohler flapper and they cost a whole lot more and they're better made and they're harder to find so people say well we'll just use the right well nine out of ten times the one at the store will work fine but you know for you philip sometimes you know persistence matters you just keep you know doing that and likewise i've even uh taken hot water so i flush the toilet turn off the water so the tank doesn't fill i'll get a bucket of hot water in there and i'll dump a hot water on it and i'll push down or put you know something over the top of that flapper trying to get it to seal in shape to that you know 20 30 40 year old bottom of the toilet tank so anyway uh let's see what's cooking with my buddy roger hey roger good morning how can i help you my friend Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yeah, I've got a uh, chimney leak of some sort. Um, It's a brick with masonry, and I had the flashing sealed in September. But uh, as of the downpour Sunday, I'm still getting water coming down the uh, outside of the chimney in the attic. And before I spend money, I'm trying to figure out whether it's still the flashing or in the masonry or the cap or whatever. Let me think through this. Um, The cap always needs to be checked as well. Have you checked the cap up at the top? Well, yeah, I've got, uh, I guess, three flues in there, one with a metal liner and three caps, you know, one cap on each flue. Well, the outside of the the brick baffles me a little bit. So although it's important to check that cap, I still think it's something to do with flashing. And flashing on brick, it just has to go too far. Um, And uh, so I like flashing on chimneys and siding. I I like a, a material membrane flashing 
to basically be waterproof before I put any metal counter flashing. So you've got step flashing that goes underneath each shingle tab there, and then a counter flashing, which is a pretty cover uh, top piece that is more attractive than all those little pieces. So I suggest there's something still amiss in that flashing, and or here's the next one, um, it may be uphill, up roof, up slope from the step flashing and the chimney flashing itself. If water gets underneath the shingles three, four, ten feet up, it can flow down on top of the felt or the plywood and then show itself in the first hole in the roof, which still is the chimney. So you can have a leak of water showing itself on the face surface of your chimney up in the attic, and it has nothing to do potentially with the area immediately and flashing around your chimney. You follow that so far? Yeah, this is pretty much at the high point of the roof, so I don't think it would be that. And uh, my roofer was out this week and looked at it again and he couldn't find any problems with the flashing he suggested uh, the only thing we can do is uh, maybe a water test with a hose sure on the flashing because i don't know if you can actually pinpoint a lacking of a uh, leak if it looks good yeah well that's the problem and just like you're saying with a hose and such inspect what you expect it's very common that when you have one of these little hidden leaks um, that there may be just one little, pl- it doesn't take much, just takes one leak in the dam for the water to come through. And I, I've danced with these before, Roger, to the point that I've stripped the shingles off two feet around. And in doing so, I've gotten to the point where, oh my, I never would have found this without stripping this all the way off. So Yeah, we talked about replacing the flashing and kind of decided not to do that yet. Yeah, I, and, I agree uh, with your process so far, but you may get to that exasperated point. <laughs> yeah. What about sealing the brick and the masonry that's on the chimney itself? Is that good or bad? Uh, Yeah, yeah. It helps the saturation, but it typically won't show itself as water on the surface of the brick. Roger, I'm going to have to get going for uh, FCC regulations here. Scott Mosby, CamWex, back for hour two after this. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Oh, 79 degrees. Degrees, middle of the summer, middle of the day, middle of the country. Hoo-ah! Well, you bet. Can you imagine? And the temperature is low. The humidity is low. Oh, man, what a gift for a three-day Independence holiday, 4th of July weekend. Go get them, folks. Hoo-ah! Whether you're staying home or traveling, be safe. Take CamWex with us wherever you go. Uh, we've got a good afternoon coming up. We've got Retire Ready uh, about 7 o'clock tonight. Cards and, and uh, Colorado Rockies take on uh, each other here on CamWex. So stay tuned. Great place to be. Just put us there in the uh, background. We're your friend all day long. KMOX, phone lines, home improvement. 
314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. My day job is Mosby Building Arts. And every Saturday I get to talk with tens of thousands of you right here on University of KMOX. I call this the classroom. Come on in, have a seat. Uh, coffee's in the corner. Uh, it used to be uh, ice water, but today we just don't need that. Just come on in, make yourself comfortable, and uh, raise your hand with any questions or answers you want to share. For those of you not in the classroom, and there really isn't a classroom, but doesn't it make a good story anyway? It's better than I sit in a, a dark corner studio here by myself talking into a microphone. See, the classroom just blushes up a whole lot nicer. So anyway, come on in, but for those of you outside and want to join by phone, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, toll free, 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. Those of you out and about, anywhere on the globe, if you can connect to the internet Odyssey is the app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can pick that up, uh, you know, anywhere you like. You can still also check in with us through KMOX.com, KMOX.com. So lots of things happening. We've got things to talk about. I also promised to talk about load-bearing walls. This is a topic that takes a little bit of time. So I wanted to get into that. For those of you planning, and, you know, we've been around our homes a little bit too much, generally in St. Louis, because of the age of the homes and the structures and the buildings, there's, you know, an open floor plan get together. If I can see all the members that I'm entertaining or gathering with, I connect better, even though they may be 20 feet across the room in a conversation with somebody else. I, if I can see them, I still feel that connection. So that defines the current design, the architecture that we go through at Mosby Building Arts and generally, you know, how we try to connect people through the design and remodeling projects at Mosby Building Arts. It's kind of a, you know, we serve people. We do nuts and bolts, but the measurable objective of our projects is how many smiles per gallon we get from the people that live and gather in the buildings that we remodel model and improve. So it's all about connecting people by removing barriers. One of the barriers is load-bearing wall. So generally between a kitchen and a family room. Uh, and I'm going to get into this. I'll, I'll take this in little bite-sized chunks as we go throughout this next hour here on X. But the probable load-bearing wall, if you have, and this gets into roof sections, so the, the way to find load-bearing walls is outside the house first. So you go look at the roof. Uh, a gable roof just has two slopes on it, up and down. Generally from the front, it goes up to a peak ridge or top, and then down again, two planes, uh, tre- creating from the end, if you go around to the side of the house, there'll be a triangle uh, up there where that roof structure is. So if you have a standard gable roof, which means two slopes only, then the front wall and the back wall outside of that home will definitely be load-bearing walls. Uh, And that lines up with the concrete foundation. So you look at the concrete foundation, you look where everything is, you know, big, long front wall, big, long back wall, shorter side walls, left end, right end. So the left and the right end typically are not load-bearing walls, uh, but the front and the back you can bet. Now, 
in uh, 50 years ago before we had engineered roof trusses, and those are the two-by-four things up in the attic with the silver shiny metal plates at the intersection, the joints of all those boards, um, then we had to conventionally or stick build or frame that roof. And that would mean a board rests on the outside front wall, the outside back wall, and then there will be a center load-bearing wall or beam. And this is where now you go downstairs in the basement if you have one, and you look for those columns, the posts, and the beam, usually steel in today's world. Some before the 1940s and 30s, you might have wood beams and wood posts. Uh, but generally, it'll be a steel pipe round column or an I-beam looking column and beam as well. Beam being the part that goes over your head. Column is the kind that goes straight up and down from the top to the bottom. So the point being is on a gable roof or simplest roof, load bearing will be the front outside, the rear outside, and the center long wall end to end. So typically you can generally count on that. If you have roof trusses, you may be able to remove that center wall structurally from a roof won't fall down measurement. But keep in mind, the less support you have in a long piece of structure, whatever it is, the more deflection, bouncing, i.e. plaster cracks, drywall movement, cracking, corner beads, um, joints, tape joints, all nail pops. So the less support, even though you may technically have a bearing front, to, you know, full span roof truss, we really try not to pull them out unless we put some beefing up into it just to support, just for an aesthetic, keep the drywall from breaking. Anyway, so enough on that for now, but I'll get into a few more. But load-bearing wall, the reason I bring it up is because that's usually one of the first questions we get. You know, at Mosby Building Arts, we get called for the design. We are architects as well as the construction company, so we come in, and the first question is, you know, what are you trying to do? It's like, well, I'm tired of being in the kitchen by myself when my whole family's gathering on 4th of July weekend, and, you know, I'm, I can't see anybody else. I want this wall gone. Oh, well, that's a little... So that's one of the first conversations. So our designers are pretty fluent in figuring out what's load-bearing, and when they get beyond, and the engineering gets a little more complicated than just this, front, middle, and back, then they generally will take photos or FaceTime. It's pretty, pretty cool. We used to do this five years ago and say, hey, you know, uh, Tyler, is this a load-bearing wall? I'm looking at this. Well, okay, go outside. Or they would call me and various people that could assess and were comfortable. It's like, yeah, that wall can go. Don't worry about it. By the way, it's going to be loaded with plumbing, electric, and ductwork. Oh, well, so the structure can go. So the next little secret in removing load-bearing walls is it's not the structure that's hard to do. Structure is pretty simple. Does it hold the roof up or not? Yes slash no, then design a big enough beam and column, and then make you know transfer that load all the way down to the soil somehow. Well, that's pretty simple, but getting rid of or rerouting big wires, gas pipes, drains for plumbing pipes, supply water lines, ductwork, you know all that stuff that goes inside of walls there's where the money sits. So it, it's oftentimes, you know, remove this wall between the kitchen and the bathroom. Well, that's 
pretty simple. You know, that's, you know, eight or $10,000. But rerouting all the rest of this stuff is another twenty. So it's like, wow. Oh, and by the way, when you get ready of that, now you have to put a whole new floor in because, you you know, there's a gap there where the wall used to be. Little things like that. So that's why remodeling projects tend to grow in scope because while you're here, you might as well on and on and on. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Bring them on. We've got some time for your questions. We'll talk about more than just load-bearing walls. Also, we're going to get into laundry rooms and mud rooms because if you haven't figured it out, when you're outside on a day like today, you might do yard work, wash the patio, wash the driveway, wash the car, clean up, do some lawn work, whatever it is. In you come, all that dirty stuff comes with you, sticking to those clothes. How do you make that transition from the outside to the inside? So that's the old mudroom kind of thing. And then laundry room. Now today it's kind of morphed into what do you do with all the kids' hockey equipment, all the gymnastics stuff and the baseball gear that comes in from the car, or hopefully you can keep it out in the garage. Good luck with that. My point being is these rooms have become super transition rooms that either supplement and enhance life or just don't quite get it done, and you wind up with those smelly things in your house all the time. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show on KMOX. I'll be right back for more after this. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, together one more hour. Uh, the uh, business of uh, family business is up next here, um, and that's 1 o'clock here on KMOX. Cardinals come up playing the Colorado Rockies tonight about 7 right here on KMOX. Stay tuned. Lots of things happening. Let's go to my friend, Rand. Hey, Rand, good evening or good afternoon. How can I help you on this beautiful day? Hi, Scott. Um, we live in a manufactured home, double wide, and we got it as a rehab, a rehab repo and okay. the toilet after we use it the flush and then it drains like glub 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 mm-hmm. all the time now i had replaced the toilet and it didn't seem to help did i not do a great job replacing it or is there another issue no, I think it's in resistance, and uh, and frankly, when you get into um, structures that have been empty for a while, uh, then sometimes the pipes and the the wax and paraffin from uh, inside the waste sticks to the wall. It gets hard and solid, and it turns into a drainage block. So I suspect you actually have mm-hmm. a partially blocked drain line uh, that, uh, and and the toilet is connected to the biggest drain pipe uh and but but Correct. everything else drain, drains into that too so i think you're just getting a slow flush if you've changed the toilet there are other reasons why this can happen but if you went to a new toilet and it persists then there's some slight resistance a little bit of back pressure to the whoosh down the the toilet drain you're ready for uh and this might be uh, a time to have the pipe ideally pressure washed uh, to really scour them out and and typically especially on repos and home purchases it's it's really time to take a look at that drain line and make sure that it's doing what you think it should so 
That okay. I, that would be my first choice. The second choice, kind of a poor man's version to that, is uh, you know the old uh, septic tank cleaner where you just mix it up and dump it down, and it's a biological drain. Right. Um, but you know, so the same old, same old that I talk about all the time. But okay. that you can do. So okay. that's the short term. Or if you really want to get it done, and, and frankly, if you're having trouble and you've already invested in a new toilet, I'd get a really good uh, pressure drain cleaner. It's not the guy with the cutting tool. This is just the guy that goes in with like it's the like a pressure washer at the dollar car wash. Right. Yep. Okay. Thank you very much. Hey, tell me about your name, Rand. Tell me more. Oh, my name's Randa. Randa, R-A-N-D-A. Yep. Randa, hey, I like that. Thanks, Randa. I appreciate it. Thanks. God bless you. You too. And uh, thanks again. Happy Veterans Day, or happy Fourth of July, and also gratitude to our veterans. Thanks, Randa. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. You know what? Uh, Sometimes it just takes a moment to pause. I mean, I get so excited about three-day weekends, you know, day off, get wet, go in a sprinkler, get in a lake, get in a pool, gather together, whatever it is. You know, Independence Day, we are independent because people gave their lives. We continue to be grateful And as we've gone through a global pandemic, and it continues, people are still on those front lines fighting on our behalf, both for our uh, military safety as well as our medical safety here and abroad. So, again, I just want to put another shout-out to all the veterans and the people. You know who you are, and you know how it affected you. Hopefully, we are treating you with a fair shake and saying our thank yous uh, because it really matters. If, If you've never been... In that situation, like me, I cannot know the sacrifices you made. Uh, phone lines here on KMOX 314-436-7900. Toll-free 800-925-1120. You've got that pocket buried deep in there. I know it's good weather and you're out doing various things around the home. This is the day. You can get some yard work done. You can get some repairs done. You can wash the car and have a good time. Yep, indeed. 314-436-7900. Toll-free 800-925-1120. As I promised, talking a little bit about mud rooms and uh, uh, also laundry rooms. They're kind of the same. Likewise, pet rooms. Some of the features that can be put together in one of these transition rooms. For example, every house, every kitchen remodel, every transition from outdoors, outside the house to inside the house, everybody puts stuff down, whether it's groceries, a purse, a phone, the mail, um, you know, the kids' hockey gear, whatever it is, there's a dump zone. And in designing for a kitchen or a mudroom, if you've got the space, oftentimes it's a laundry room. Sometimes we put a little bit of this out in the garage if we've got space for that kind of storage and then put a countertop or a short shelf somewhere, ideally with a little bit of electric so you can recharge your phone, your iPad, a place where your car keys are always kept, you know, a place for everything, everything in its place. That's the opportunity of good design and that is, I, I ideally around mudroom, laundry room, or transition space. Because if you don't make a space for it, if you don't have the room, then it just winds up on that first countertop in the kitchen 
or the island or whatever. And that may not be the best thing for how that kitchen countertop uh, design space works. Uh, then you get multiple generations in there. Also, cat, uh, cat litter boxes, we build those into cabinets to where uh, it's like, well, the, the dog tries to get to the cat's food. It's like, okay, well, cats like to get in through little holes. So we make easy access in the side of the cabinet, but the dog can't get to it. And then you open up the cabinet doors from the front, pull out the kitty litter box. out. You go. So these laundry rooms, mud rooms, um, transitional rooms, utility, whatever you want to call them, you can really take some pressure off of the kitchen, the food prep, the gathering areas, all of that by getting some of these peripheral needs, as well as coats and, you know, hats and shoes and boots, all of that. So it's interesting as homes have grown over the years as an industry in housing, uh, that room has become a larger part because it isolates the problems, the function, the inside, outside, outside to inside, you know, all those things, you know, if I'm getting ready to run errands, I have a, a countertop right by the garage and I start stacking my stuff there. You know, here's a fuse that needs to be replaced. I need a few screws like this. Uh, I'm going to the grocery store. I have my list. Uh, all that as well as the car keys. So I can't get out without taking the car keys and I can't take the car keys without picking up my remember this list. Anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's go to Warren, see what's happening here. Hey, Warren, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunchtime on KMWX, my friend. How can I help? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Uh, can you give me your opinion of uh, what do you think of uh, triple the uh, triple aluminum installation type of uh, thing for homes? Uh, tell me more. Triple aluminum in- insulation? Yeah, it's like uh, three layers of aluminum foil, and there's a, oh, you know, like okay. two pockets of air. Yes. Okay, so it's like the bubble wrap with the reflective coating. That, um, yes, those... sort of, I guess you could say that. Uh-huh. It was uh, popular, I think. Uh, it was pretty popular for a while, but I think because it was uh, like too costly and timing, timely to uh, install it in new homes, I think it kind of uh, faded. Yeah, well, the 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 big power of that material is the reflective technology, and the best place to put that is on the warm side of the wall. So, for example, um, craft-faced insulation. There was a time when it was a foil-backed insulation on that paper, so it had a reflective sheet. Well, that basically would reflect the heat back in the house and hold the heat or separate the outside from the inside. The bubble wrap type stuff was sold to lay over the top of the attic, over the top of the insulation. And although that insulation and reflective technology was good, it was installed in the wrong place. So it was a sold product. It was not a purchased product in my words. So it, it, you could say this product does this, 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 and this, and it does. It's factually correct. But where it needs to be installed is right between the warm side of the wall, which is in the wintertime, it'd be inside the house. So it goes right behind the drywall, right behind the plaster, on the ceiling line or on the wall line, not on the outside of the wall, not on the upside of the blown-in attic insulation, or not on the upside of the bath. So the reason it kind of came and went, and, and, and don't get me wrong, this stuff is really good. When installed in the proper location, it does a great job, and it's also 
uh, you know, very efficient in what it does, but you have to put it in the right place. So on a new home, when you're putting a reflective foil, for example, foil-backed drywall or foil-backed craft-faced insulation bats, all that stuff was really good, and, and it works because it's in the right place. But on remodeling, it's hard for us to retrofit uh, some of these products in because even though they're fantastic products, I can't put them where they need to be. So that's why that particular product kind of came and went, Warren. It's still out there for, um, you know, all kinds of other uses because it's a good performing material. But as far as uh, installing it and saving you money up in the attic, I, I think the regulators finally got to that, you know, truth and advertising thing. Could you put uh, additional uh, insulation over the top of it, like, you know, fiberglass blanket or just blown in? Absolutely. Like to fit? Yeah, now that's 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 a valuable place by in so what you're doing is you're just increasing your insulation so you have x amount and then you're maybe doubling the amount of insulation. That is a good thing. Uh, so you do get a lot of uh insulation but for that foil foam bubble wrap stuff, you could put you could blow 10 inches of attic insulation up in your whole attic for the cost of that stuff when you'd fold it out. So that's your better path Warren. That's where the return on investment is is by completing and finishing you know by adding more insulation on top of what you have yeah i was just uh concerned of whether it would uh uh diminish you know the the reflectiveness of the foil uh well if you put well yeah the the foil really needs to be down underneath all that insulation at the ceiling line not up on top of the blown in insul yeah Mm -hmm. so that I'm still not a fan of that stuff, but if you do have some, you can blow new insulation over the top of that just fine. Okay, great. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Okay, Warren. Take care. Um, and and as we get into this a little bit, and this whole reflective technology, this is all NASA, National Aerospace uh, Institute. Uh, it, all NASA, they were trying to keep their space capsules from bursting into flame, so they came up with some pretty nice temperature-reflective coatings. That is now on our glass, so we have uh, all those glass coatings that are now throughout our housing industry, so much so that when the sun reflects off of some of those whiz-bang, high-performance glass coatings, the glass actually reflects on, and you can melt the vinyl siding off your neighbor's house. Uh, Not an uncommon situation because we're dealing with powerful technologies here. Likewise, um, if you have, say, a very hot climate, uh, very arid, then perhaps a reflective foil on the roof to repel, reflect, reject the solar heat gain or Again, as I mentioned, if you get this uh, down at the ceiling line of the house to where you're inside, uh, for example, we used to buy foil back drywall and sometimes still do. It's a little hard to find. It's a special order. But the back side of the drywall was foil covered. So when you're drywalling, sheetrocking, hanging the drywall in a house, you wind up with a reflective membrane there. Uh, now in today's economy where we can't even get regular drywall, getting foil back drywall is even uh, near impossible. So it's a whole, you know, it, it's a market corrected advantage as well. If you can't get it and it's the best thing in the world, you still can't get it. Uh, 314 
436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby, and uh, this is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Excuse me, stand by. We've got another half an hour of the show before we go to um, Retire Ready at 1 o'clock right here on KMOX. Back for more after this. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, this is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. We've got 20 minutes to the top of the hour, and that is uh, Retire Ready, 1 o'clock. Stay tuned. The card's on tonight. Uh, play in the Colorado Rockies. Phone lines are open. This is your opportunity. You've got that question. I know you had one back there in your pocket somewhere. 314-436-7900-436-7900-800-925-1120-800-925-1120. We start Started out with my old friend Mildred called in and she had pipe hammer in her toilet. Uh, she was wondering what that was from. Uh, she does have an expansion tank. She did call back and mention she does have an expansion tank, which it's kind of like a process of elimination. So if your toilet is making this noise uh, and you have an expansion tank, keep in mind the expansion tank is about the size of a small propane tank, you know, 25 pound propane tank, blue in color, and it's instead of having propane in it they blow it up with air and it's a big air compressed air tank that connects inside your water supply line so that as you turn on your water faucet the pressure drops and then if you turn off the faucet very quickly you've got water moving 30 miles an hour through that pipe and all of a sudden it slams to an immediate stop well that might compress the air in this expansion tank or in the air chamber piping that is built into the wall of newer homes so anyway Mildred had a good thing there but just keep in mind Mildred I'm pretty sure that I would definitely start on the toilet tank rebuild first I'd put change those guts especially if you have a, an expansion tank on your hotline people might say well that expansion tanks on the hotline doesn't really affect the cold water kind of yes kind of no pressure comes from you know the supply line the cold that connects both to the hot and the cold so that expansion tank does uh, address though it's not directly set up for expansion of the cold line it does help a little bit um so that was a good one. Also, uh, concrete patio, a three-quarter minus. I want to get into what that meant. Uh, you know, Dave called a little bit. This is back in the hour one. And Dave's point was a friend of his said, you know, you can put in a pretty low-grade concrete patio. And it's true. If you properly compact the soil and slope it properly and then put in gravel on it with a three-quarter minus gravel. And this is tons and tons and tons and stuff you know stuff so this is like you know uh, dump truck stuff um and you gravel you grade this around at an even flat smooth surface and you know i have screeded off subgrade gravels with two by four straight edges you know because you can tell it it looks attractive and it's a good prep for the concrete when it's poured well dave's buddy was saying get three quarter minus compact it down and then sprinkle Portland cement, the dusty, you know, Portland cement only, no sand, no gravel, uh, and sweep that into it and event and draw in dry form, and then it will set up when it gets wet. The issue is, for example, when you have that dry cement, 
what you know let's pretend tomorrow it rains well the rain hits that dry cement the dry cement pops and jumps up so the point being is you can get a good compacted uh, pretty high compressive strength patio the way his friend is describing but you're always going to have that dust and that uh, cement portland cement even and the lime fines you know the mineness part of all of that uh, tracking in and out of your house so that was a big deal uh joe's been dancing with his portable uh dehumidifier uh he called in a couple times in the past few weeks and that and that's an inch i think joe's just replacing his uh dehumidifier trying to get this thing to work right uh if you've got a question 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 also uh we just have uh an issue around a chimney leak in an attic roger called hour one that was an interesting thing because if you've got a leak around the chimney and it's an older chimney my gosh, it could be one of 10 things. And then the other side of it is, it could be three things happening out of 10. So you find one and you get it fixed reliably, you may have fixed and improved something and gotten rid of maybe one third of your water source, and now it still leaks. So maybe there's something else going on oftentimes and and you know roger's question was is it a good idea to seal my con my brick uh chimney uh, and absolutely it is be especially when you've got a brick chimney like that um the chimney cap is a cement cap sometimes metal if it's a siding bo- built box carpentry built you know vinyl sided chimney but if it's masonry out of brick there's a cement chimney cap that has to be replaced about every i don't know eight to ten years some of them really last a lot longer you may have had one for 30 years and not even known about it i would get a mason to get up there and take a look at that because it's something that really is important once it starts going it starts attacking your brick your bricks start falling apart then you're going from hundreds of dollars to repair to thousands of dollars of repair so it's a big deal anyway roger was addressing that flashing Flashing is very important, and that is a transitional blocker piece of metal from where the shingles run into a wall, a vertical plane. It could be siding, it could be brick, it could be plaster, uh, it, it could be any material, but if a brick chimney is there, uh, effectively the way this house is built when you have a masonry chimney, you basically cut a hole in the roof and the brick comes through it. Uh, effectively, the brick gets laid, laid up first and you build the roof around it, but it's still a hole in the roof. So that's the drill down on it. So it, it's important to get to the step flashing, which is the L-shaped um, piece, usually five by seven inches, and they step and then you slide it up progressively under each tab of the shingles, and then a counter flashing goes over the top. Anyway, I'm getting lost in there. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Give us a call. We'll talk about that. But back to the flashing and the waterproofing for the brick. It is important to be outside of the immediate. For example, you can have a... Uh, attic vent or a ridge cap or where a ridge cap and Roger had this he said well my chimney's up at the very top of the roof I don't think there's anything happening at the top the toughest place to waterproof a chimney to flash it is at the apex the very top ridge of the roof 
where it dies into one side of the chimney and the other side. That intersection is the toughest part, and that's where it's important to get a membrane on there because sometimes metal doesn't quite seal that. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, KMOX. I'll return for more. We go up to uh, Retire Ready, 1 o'clock here on KMOX. Stay tuned for more. This is the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Okay, stay tuned. A little bit going. We've got Retire Ready, 1 o'clock Cardinals at 7 right up now. Let's talk to my friend Ed. Hey, Ed, good afternoon. How can I help you, my friend? Hello, Scott. I've yes, got sir. rough cut cedar siding on my house. It's been it's either been painted or stained stained previously and okay. I gotta do something to it again now. I didn't know whether to stain or paint or what I can put over the top of what. Well, Ed, once you paint that and the rough-cut cedar siding, once you paint it, you're stuck painting it again. Even if you use a semi-opaque stain, it's kind of a watered-down paint. So I suspect where you're uh, now is likely painting that siding, if it's still in good shape. Is it still in good condition? Yes, it's in real good shape, but it's just showing natural color where it was dark brown. Yeah, well, they, well, you may still have enough. Well, that's kind of the issue. Um, you can really clean, deep clean that cedar and get it almost back to the light, bright color and, and start all over. It sounds to me if you've got light and dark splotches, you still have some stain on it there. Uh, so either you're painting this thing and getting right past all of that, or you're going to spend a lot of money to strip that color and maybe some of that old linseed oil and old stains that are in that uh, rough cut uh, cedar. Uh, and, and it can be done. Um so you can bring it back to a fairly decent look, but it's pricey. Sounds to me like painting is the answer. Well, yeah, painting will be about half the cost of staining because you don't have to go backward. You don't have to spend so much money preparing it. You know, if you power wash it and you fix the nails and do all that, the normal painting stuff, you can paint it. But I would, uh, you know, I might try, make sure you like the look of that because a painted Rough cut cedar is a very different look than a stained rough cut cedar. It takes on a semi-colonial look, and some of that rough, uh, you know, uh, rustic look goes away with paint. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate your show. Okay, Ed. Good question. Thanks. That's uh, that's a good thing. Appreciate that call. Let's go and see what's happening with my friend Mike. Hey, Mike, I've got about a minute. How can I help? Hey, on the leaky toilet, I had a similar issue. I replaced the flapper, still couldn't get the leak fixed, and I found out that it was the little the fill tube that went down into the oh. overflow tube was siphoning water back out and had caused some person oh. to use 10,000 gallons instead of 1,000 gallons in a month. I had the water company come out. They went to the street, checked the meter, said, hey, you are showing a trickle. I went in turned off that toilet, so I knew that was it, and then I found it online that... Someone had stuck the tube down instead of being up top filling all the way down, and it was siphoning back. Wow. Once I cut that tube, the problem was gone. All right. Hey, Mike, thank you much. Appreciate it. We'll get into this next week, too. Scott Mosby, stay tuned for more on Camwex.